There I am. Good morning. So uh, for those visiting, I probably didn't drop that on my foot. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect, and uh, I'm thrilled that you're here, if it's your first time. Um, to be honest with you, I'm thrilled that I'm here. I've uh, been battling flu-like symptoms the last 48 hours. I've been in bed for about 40 of those 48 hours, and I just prayed last night, God, please let me feel better enough in the morning to get out there and speak. Uh, if you saw Andy in the foyer this morning with a big smile on his face, it's because last night I texted him at about 8 o'clock and I said, just in case, here are my notes for tomorrow. Just read them. Uh, and then at 8 o'clock this morning, I texted him again and I said, okay, I'm feeling better, I'll be there. So if he had a big grin on his face, it's because he's uh, off the hook. But um, I'm excited to be here because um, I'm, I'm really excited about this particular message that I'm going to speak on this morning on transforming your mind. But uh, before I get into the message, I actually want to catch you up as well on some news with us here at Connect. I was excited to be able to be here to um, share that news with you personally. Uh, and I say news, it will only be news to you if you've been living in a cave for the last 48 hours, as this particular piece of news has already found its way into the Journal Star and all over social media. So for those of you who haven't heard the news, let me catch you up. So here at Connect, we announced a couple of months ago that we were purchasing um, a building in town to be our permanent home as a church. It was the old tractor supply building, if you know where that is, right in the middle of Washington. Years ago, it used to be Walmart. Tractor supply were in there until about 2015, and then uh, it was sitting empty. Some guys here in town purchased the whole building, and they're selling the tractor supply side back to us to renovate and turn into Connect Church. So we are super excited. Um, I actually was kind of hoping that, um, so, so September of this year will be our five-year anniversary. And I had this kind of dream that we would really get cracking on the renovations and that for our five-year anniversary, I'd be stood on the stage in our new building saying, you know, look what God's done, look where he's brought us to. And then, just a little over a week ago, uh, Ufterings, a big car dealership here in town, they had a uh, catastrophic fire take place. Um, fortunately, there was no injuries. Everyone was uh, escorted safely out of the building, but it was a total loss. They're going to have to knock the entire building down, build it back up from scratch. So um, Gary Uftering and his wife Kay Uftering, they're Washington residents. This was their very first car dealership that they um, built. And then all the Ufterings around the Peoria area have kind of come um, as a result of that. But their first one was this one. So this, this location was very near and dear to Gary and Kay's hearts. And um, I discovered this week what an incredible man he is, what a great employer he is. And uh, before the smoke was even disappearing, he'd made a commitment to all of his employees that they were all going to keep their jobs, they were going to find a way to pay them, no matter what, that you know, they'd work something out. Which I think uh, in this day and age, uh, in business, in the marketplace, yeah, I think that's a, uh, a huge credit to the kind of person that he is. But like I said, when he made that promise, he didn't know how that would work out. Well, then Monday morning, uh, Gary and Kay and some of the leaders at Ufterings, they asked to meet with myself and some of the leaders at Connect. And they said, so your building is right next to where ours will be rebuilt. Uh, they said, we know that you have plans to build a church. We're asking respectfully, would you consider 
pushing your plans back a year um, so that we could move into your building. We could carry on selling and servicing cars out of your building while ours is being rebuilt. And then when ours is rebuilt, we'll move out and you can move in then and, and do church. So I told them on Monday morning what I'll tell you, and that is that while it has been an exciting dream of us to have a permanent location, we also as a church, from the, the day we launched, in fact, even before we launched, we've had this, this in our DNA that Connect won't ever be a church that just exists for this crowd on a Sunday morning. While I hope you enjoy coming on a Sunday and feel that Connect Church is your church home, our philosophy at Connect is we actually exist to impact the lives outside of the walls of this building. We think God's put us in this community to make a difference in the community at large, not just the people who call this church on a Sunday morning. So whether that's helping a family that lost their home in a tornado, um, hearing of a uh, somebody who may not be a part of Connect Church but is struggling to make ends meet and we're able to help with some meals or pay a utility bill. Uh, whatever it is, we feel like God has kind of positioned us to impact our community. So I shared with the guys around the table on Monday morning, I said, while we are excited about the building, our vision trumps that. Our vision to impact this community is more important than us having a permanent location of our own. So because of our vision, we would very happily be willing to lease the space to you um, so that you can carry on doing business. You, your employees can uh, keep jobs. And I think if you're here this morning and you're a part of Connect Church, that's probably no surprise to you because... You, the reason you come here is because you're um, attracted to that philosophy. Maybe in your lives, you live that way as well because you believe as followers of Jesus, we're called uh, not to serve our own needs, but to serve the needs of others. I think Jesus modeled that very clearly himself in that he gave up his own life for us. So we're just following the example that Christ set. But we were thrilled to be able to do that. Um, I've had the busiest but most rewarding week of my life working alongside some of these leaders here at Afterings. I've been so impressed by their integrity and their um, just strong leadership and their commitment to their employees. Just a wonderful group of men and women there. Um, and the truth is, I wanted to kind of share with you just how I, I can really see God at work in this whole situation. So... Uh, while I don't believe that God caused the fire, I believe that in any fires in our life or tragic situations, God is a God that can take all things and work them together for his good. So God can bring good out of even the most tragic situations. So I love that some of the good that he's brought out of this situation is that offerings as of Friday were open for business. I mean, it's like fast. They were fantastic. So Friday afternoon, they were selling cars in that building, which is phenomenal. So there's some of the good that's come out of it. The other good, and this is the, the credit to the guys at Afterings, um, they called me there on Friday because uh, it was an empty shell. And just, just a little side note here, if this had happened two months from now, three months from now, we would have already have started to have build the build out on our church. And I'm not sure that we could have done this. So it's literally the, the perfect time for this to happen. So Friday, they called me into the building. They said, Dave, we're, 
We're going to put some service bays back here. We're going to have sales in this area. We're going to have a parts department here. Um, but we're thinking, um, you know, we, we'd like to have an area where we'd like would be a coffee bar. Is that something you would use as a church? Because if so, we want to put our coffee bar in the place where you will eventually put your coffee bar. We, uh, we're going to bring in some construction people. We're going to because right now there's only a small amount of plumbing at the front of the store. We want to extend that to go throughout the whole store so there are bathrooms in the middle and at the back. Where do you think you'll want your bathrooms as a church in the future? Because we really want to be able to do this so that when we move out, you move in, and you're in a better place than you were before. So I just see God at work in this. It's just amazing. Now, there are some things where we couldn't make things work. At the very back, they've got a service department, and they told me they're building a trench for drainage, um, and there will be an oil and water separator at the end. And I said, I'm not sure that we are going to need the oil and water separator. I said, thank you for thinking of us. I said, we do have baptisms, and when we drain the tank, maybe some dirty people got baptized, and it will be good to separate oil and water. But I can't see us really needing that as much as everything else. But for the most part, there's a lot of things they're doing with paints and colors, and, which is just huge. So I just really see that God is in this to, to bless the Afterings Order Group, to bless Connect Church, and really to bless the community of Washington. In a day and age where we're just fed up, aren't we, with negative news, and I just feel like in this community, whether it's a tornado or a fire, it just, these tests come, and it shows the, the caliber of the people who call Washington their home. And uh, just so many people have been supportive. Here's one more little bonus for you here this morning. So um, if you want to know what the future home of Connect Church will look like, that building is now open. You can wander in there and check it out. And while you're there, maybe you buy a car. <laughs> but if you don't buy a car, at least buy a T-shirt. So one of the great things the guys at Afterings are doing is they've created this T-shirt that they're selling on the front. It says Afterings Strong. And on the back, it's in honor of all the fire departments. There were dozens of fire departments who came out that day and fought that fire while cars were exploding and tires were exploding and on a freezing cold day. So they've committed that all the proceeds from the T-shirts that they sell will go, will be split among every single one of those fire departments that were out there fighting that fire that day. So they are a great organization. We are thrilled that we've been able to partner with them. And I just know that God has got some great stories still to be told about how this uh, will play out in the future. So there you go. That's the news. That's... That's why I'm thrilled that I'm feeling better this morning, because I couldn't wait to tell you the story. Last Sunday, I kind of had an idea. We'd already set the meeting for Monday, but I felt like it was too early to share publicly uh, where we might be headed. But now the, the deal is done, and, and we are super excited. So. so let me jump into what I want to speak about here this morning real briefly. Um, We've been talking, last week we kicked off a new series here at Connect, and it's called Transform. And if you're here this morning, you weren't here last week, you, no worries. Really, last week all we did was kind of set the stage for where we're going. And we talked about the idea that God really wants to transform our lives. That in 2018, as we've made these New Year's resolutions, that God wants to be a part of that. God wants to be a part of the transformation of your life. And this morning we'll look at a specific area that God wants to help you transform. So have you ever heard the phrase, lightning never strikes twice? I'm sure you have. It's a very common phrase. Well, the truth is that's absolutely false. Okay, there was a study done by the University of Florida, and they discovered that the Empire State Building, during a storm in a 24-minute period, was struck eight times by lightning. 
It didn't just strike twice. It struck eight times, okay? So if the conditions are right and the uh, circumstances are right, lightning will strike more than twice. How about this one, the five-second rule? And if you're familiar with the five-second rule, I know you thought it was scientific. It's not. Okay, the five-second rule is that you drop food on the floor, and you have a five-second grace period where you can pick that food up and eat it and be okay. So Mythbusters did a little experiment on this, okay, to see if there was any truth to this whatsoever, because it is held to be very uh, true if you're in middle school or you're a man. Um, so they decided to, to find out if there was any truth to this. So that what they discovered was while the longer the food stayed on the floor, the dirtier it got and the more germs appeared, they also discovered that even within five seconds, germs will get on that food. So the five-second rule, it's a myth. How about this one? Maybe you haven't heard of this one, that geese grow on trees. You probably haven't heard of that one because this was a, um, uh, something that people believed about 800 years ago um, because they hadn't yet discovered this scientific fact. Check out this video. It'll explain what I mean. For a very long time, people believed that geese grew on trees, all because of this, the goose barnacle, and its passing resemblance to this, the barnacle goose, so named because... Well, you see, people in medieval Europe observed two things. One, they would often find goose-ish looking barnacles in the water attached to pieces of driftwood. And two, despite the fact that they saw barnacle geese living around them during much of the year, during the summer, they could never find any barnacle goose eggs or catch any barnacle geese mating or building nests. So they put one and two together and came to the conclusion that the wood with the barnacle on it must have come from a tree branch and that the tree branch must have come from a goose tree and that it must have fallen out of the goose tree into the water before the goose bud could finish growing into a full-grown goose and fly away. The missing piece of the puzzle was migration, something that science would not explain until several centuries later. And without that one crucial bit of knowledge, the belief that geese grew on trees lasted for a very long time and made its way into some very nice-looking books. So yeah, so literally for hundreds of years, because people hadn't really understood what migration was, how it worked, the conclusion they came to was that geese grew on trees. And that, was, that made sense back then. About as much sense as the five-second rule or lightning striking twice. And, and these are thoughts that people have come to believe. They've been put in people's minds. And there are other thoughts they've been put in other people's minds and um, adopted as truth. And while they may not be too harmful to you, although the five-second rule may be, uh, while they may not be too harmful to you, the thoughts that go into your mind that become beliefs can be, if they're not, healthy thoughts. What about the thoughts that lead us into destructive behaviors? The thoughts that hold us back from fulfilling our potential? The, the thoughts that ex keep us from experiencing the very best that God has for our lives? I think God wants to transform our minds. I think God wants to help us take captive these thoughts, the negative thoughts, the thoughts that aren't true. He wants to transform our minds. And this morning I want to share with you how I think he wants to do that. So last week we talked about what it looks like to, to transform your life. We actually had this phrase that we used. It said, the further you get away from God, the more you will conform. The closer you get to God, the more your life will transform. You see, the truth is, your thoughts control your life. So why is this important? Why, why is it important that we manage our thought life? Because 
your thoughts control your life. Listen to what Solomon said in uh, Proverbs. Solomon was one of the wisest men that ever lived. He wrote a a bunch of Proverbs you can find in the Old Testament. He says in Proverbs 4.23, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Solomon's saying here that the power of your minds, the power of your thoughts, it has tremendous ability to shape your life for great or for bad. So how do your thoughts control your life? That sounds like quite a dramatic statement, but think about it. My thoughts lead to my beliefs, which produce my behaviors. My thoughts lead to my beliefs, which ultimately produce my behaviors. In fact, let's unpack that. My thoughts lead to my belief, which produce my behaviors. Every behavior or action that we take for good or bad is often a belief that we've acted upon And that belief began with a thought that was in our minds. It could have been an instant thought, or it could have been something that we've been thinking about for a long time. But those thoughts, sometimes, they they just don't stop there, do they? They they play out into um, into our behaviors, and then into our beliefs, and then our actions. Here's an example. So I shared the, the story about Ufterings this morning. For me, Dave Jane, the pastor of Connect Church, my thought is that... We as a church have been called to impact our community. So when we met this week to talk with them, my thoughts influenced my beliefs and my beliefs influenced my actions and it became an easy decision for us to make this week to partner with Ufterings. Now that's a good example. There are bad examples as well. My thoughts, I, I actually believe I'm invincible. I believe that I can jump and run and do things and there will be no outcome and uh, I tend to just YOLO and uh, so sometimes that leads me to jumping into bodies of water that I probably should have researched a little bit more how deep they were and my thoughts led to my belief that I can jump in this ocean and be fine. The action proved otherwise. And for those of you who are counting, yes, that is every Sunday since I broke my ankle that I've mentioned it in a message. And uh, I plan on doing so. Yeah, I'm going to get some leverage out of this, okay? If I'm going to break my ankle, it is going to play into some spiritual analogies that are going to help you so I can thank God for my broken ankle and how he's using it to help you in your journey in following Jesus. Our thoughts control our life. Every single action, it began as a thought. If you don't think it, you don't do it. Good thoughts lead to doing good. Bad thoughts lead to doing bad. Our thoughts control our lives. That's what Solomon was saying. Solomon considered the wisest man ever to live. He said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. We're a product of our thinking. And here is why it's so important. Because some of us, maybe a lot of us, have accepted thoughts that we've held as beliefs for far too long that really just aren't true. And these thoughts are now shaping our lives. Some of you were told things growing up. You're worthless. You're no good. You don't matter. You're ugly. You're uncoordinated. And if you accepted those thoughts, they are now starting to shape your life. It could be um, something like someone said, you you can't really count on anyone. You can't rely on anyone these days. You can't trust anyone. If If you want to get something done right, do it yourself. And those thoughts become beliefs in your mind because they were given to you by someone else. So this morning, I think we have to make a decision that we're going to choose our thoughts carefully. We're going to choose what we we think and we're going to choose what we don't think. 
Because if my thoughts control my life, can there be any good news here? Well, they can. Because I can control my thoughts. I've never really given this much consideration before today, but um, a lot of people don't realize that they can control their thoughts. You might say, well, I can't help what I'm thinking. We think our thoughts are, are uncontrollable. That's just not true. You can control your thoughts. In fact, this morning, you are the only one that can control your thoughts. No one else can. Satan can't control your thoughts. He'd like to. But he can only suggest, he can only try and influence. Only you can control your thoughts. Other people can't control your thoughts. They might try to, and if you're not aware of it, um, you may let them influence you without thinking, but they can't control your thoughts. Only you can. Even God, get this, not even God can control your thoughts. He knows your every thought, but he doesn't control them. There's a pastor by the name of Rick Warren. He puts it this way. He says, you don't need to pray if you're having bad thoughts, if you're having scary thoughts, you're having guilty thoughts, you're having lonely thoughts, you're having depressed and discouraged thoughts. It doesn't really help to say, God, change my thoughts. God's going to say, it's your mind. You do it. We have control over our thoughts. It's kind of like having a, a TV remote control in your hand. And you have the, the power to just change the channel. To say, you know what? I choose not to think that way anymore. Or I choose to think this way instead. I can control my thoughts. That's the good news this morning. Now, just to make sure that I clarify any misunderstanding here, I, I am very aware that there are some people um, who, who, who may actually have specific uh, situations, a mental illness or uh, an addiction, something like that, that may need more than just the remote control. They may need counseling, they may need medication. But for the most part, most of us here this morning, we have the ability and the power to take control of our thoughts. Dallas Willard, another author, describes it this way. He says, the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow our minds to dwell upon. It's in our thoughts that the first movements towards the renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. So if I want a healthy mind this morning, if I want to break free from all those bad patterns of the way I've been thinking, what I need to do is take control of my thoughts and start making some choices. In fact, there are three choices I want to send you away with here this morning that I think will help transform your mind. The first choice that you can make this morning is this. You can choose to free your mind. Free your mind and the rest will follow. That's lyrics from a song, but it's, it sounds biblical. The reality is that, that in your minds, you have the, the, the ability to, to liberate yourself. Too often, we, we find ourselves as prisoners of our own thoughts, whether it's things that people have told us or things we've said to ourselves, that, that self-talk that we give into so often. Our minds need to be released from thoughts that simply aren't truth. Paul addresses this when he's writing to a church in, in Corinth. He says in Corinthians 12, 3 and 5, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are weapons, um, sorry, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, 
They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I don't know if you caught that as I was reading it, but that's, that's warfare language. Paul's talking about our thought life like a battle, like there are strongholds to be demolished and, and, and aggressive. And So what is a stronghold? Well, in New Testament times, a stronghold uh, was a military term for a, for a fortress that soldiers would seek to destroy. But Paul here is using this analogy to say that in your mind, there are some strongholds. They could be lies that you've believed, thoughts that you're choosing to dwell on that have become like strongholds. They're so um, dominant in your minds that they need to be destroyed. I might believe that God doesn't really love me. That's a lie. It needs to be demolished. I might think that I know better than God what will make me happy. You know what? That's a lie. It needs to be demolished. I might believe that I can never forgive that person. That's a lie. That I can never forgive myself, that's a lie. That I will never amount to anything. That is a stronghold, and it's a lie. God wants us to demolish these strongholds. Paul says we are to take them captive. Take captive every thought. The word for captive literally means to conquer, to bring under control, to capture. This is an aggressive passage. Paul is saying, you need to fight this. You need to get aggressive here. So I learned to drive in England, and um, I don't think they teach you this to drive this way, but we tend to drive just a little bit more aggressively over there. There's a lot of traffic on the roads in London, and if you're a passive driver, you're going to be stuck forever. So, so I would be at junctions in England, and I'd need to kind of get across oncoming traffic to turn into the other lane. And if I was going to wait for a gap on both sides, I'd be there hours. So finally, what you learn to do in England with this kind of aggressive driving is you're, you're just going to inch out. Even if it means you're stopping traffic here, you're just going to edge out, and then when there's a gap, you go all the way. That's just kind of aggressive driving. And then I moved to America. And now I live in Washington, and I drive in Washington. And now I arrive at a junction, and there could be three or four other cars, and we all get there at the same point, and we just sit there. And we all just kind of look at each other, and it's like no one's doing anything. And then finally, it's like a bell rang somewhere, because then all of a sudden, all of us start to inch forward at exactly the same time, and then we all realize, and we all stop, and then we sit there longer, and we're like... So I've had enough. I kick into British gear. I'm just like, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm not even showing. In fact, sometimes Casey will be in the car with me, and I'll pull out. She'll be like, Dave, that wasn't your right away. It was his turn to go first. I'm like, well, he should have moved quicker. <laughs> and I'm sure he understands I'm British. And we just, we're a bit more aggressive. Because otherwise, I was at a junction on Wednesday waiting for a car. I'd still be there today. You just got to go for it. And, and this is what Paul's saying. You can't passively sit by and cross your fingers and hope these thoughts take care of themselves. You're going to have to get a bit aggressive. And you're going to have to fight these strongholds. That's number one when it comes to freeing your mind. Choice number two is to feed your mind. Feed your mind. You know, nutritionists will tell you, you don't need to uh, hear me say this, but you put good food and healthy food in your body, your body's going to do good. You put junk food and bad food, it's going to have a harmful effect on your body. It's the same with, with our spiritual food, with our source of truth, the Bible, God's written word. 
Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying that when we read the Bible, it's like feeding ourselves with good, healthy food. So on the one hand, we want to try and free our minds by by taking captive and destroying the negative thoughts and the lies and, and demolishing the strongholds. But then at the same time, equally, we want to be filling our minds with the good and the healthy and the things of God. David, who you'll know as the young man who killed Goliath, he wrote some of the Psalms. And this is one of the the verses in one of the Psalms. He said, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I've put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. I picture David in this moment just, just thinking on the things of God. Just spending time alone with God, dwelling on him. I want to challenge you um, to find a way to, to fill yourselves with the Word of God. Now, I know it's hard. I've spoken to some of you, and you're like, Dave, I want to, but I've, I've opened that book and started to read, and by the time I'm done, I've got more questions than answers. I don't understand what it is I'm reading. Can I suggest a great resource for you? It's called YouVersion. If you're not familiar with it, it's an app that you can download on your phone or your iPad. You can get it on your computer. Um, It's just a wonderful, it's it's more than just a Bible. You can read the Bible on it, but there are these excellent plans in there that are geared to, to whatever stage you find yourself now. If you've been a follower of Jesus all your life, there's a plan for you. If you are brand new in all this, there is a plan for you. If you're still kicking the tires, trying to figure out if you even believe this stuff. There is a plan in there for you. These plans will take you to specific portions of Scripture that you can read, and then there'll be a a short passage just explaining what you've read, maybe bringing some, some life application to it. And you can set it to where each day you read a little bit, and, and just each day you're filling your mind with the truth of God. It's not enough just to take captive the negative. We need to fill our minds with the positive. Here's the last thing you can do that will transform your mind. And this one's huge. I hadn't even thought about this until I started preparing this message this week, but I think this is going to be revolutionary to some of you. The idea is where you choose to focus your mind. Where you choose to focus your mind. Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, the Philippians. He said this in Philippians 4 He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's saying, focus your thoughts, focus your mind on the great things in life. What are some of the right, pure, lovely, admirable things that you can focus on? Well, first and foremost, I just think Jesus. Focusing in on Jesus, his life, what he taught us, that's a great place to start. But outside of Jesus, here's another thought for you here this morning. What if you chose to focus not on your situation, but focused on others? There's plenty of times that Jesus and Paul talking about, talk to us about, you know, looking to the needs of others. What if you made a choice to focus your thoughts and your mind on others? In another part of Philippians, Paul said this. He said, do not always be thinking about your own plans only. Be happy to know what other people are doing. 
Focus your thoughts on others. Here's, here's an example of what I mean. We've all met them, haven't we? That one person who's just focused on their problems. Just the poor me situation why it's not fair that this happened. If it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong in that person's life. Sometimes they'll post something random on Facebook like, well, thanks a lot, life. Kicking me in the teeth when I was already down on the ground. And that's it. That's their status update. And you want to just reach through the computer screen and just grab them by the throat. Say, come on. Pick up the remote. Change the channel. What you've just posted isn't helping anything. It's not helping you. We're reading it and we're getting frustrated because you're just focusing inward on your own misery and problems. But then we've all met people like this as well, haven't we? Case and I have a friend. She comes here to connect. Wonderful lady. Great family. She's actually battling some really severe health issues right now. In fact, for the last couple of years, she's been walking through a very uh, big personal struggle with, with her health. But I never hear her complain about it. I never hear her post negative thoughts about it. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm constantly hearing about how she's reaching out to others. She's the one that will send a card when someone's having a tough week. She's the one that will buy a meal or drop off some cookies. She's the one that will send an encouraging text to let you know she's praying for you. In fact, as I'm describing this lady, some of you will know who she is because you've been on the receiving end of those texts. You've, you've had a text from her. She's reached out to you. This is someone who has chosen where to focus her mind, not on her own struggles, but on the needs of those around her. You can free your mind this morning by taking captive those thoughts and, and, and breaking down those strongholds. You can feed your mind with some, some good sources from the Bible of what God really has to say about you. But man, when you focus your mind, when you choose to focus your mind on others instead of yourself, I think it will transform your mind. That's my hope and prayer is that throughout this series, God will help us to transform different areas of our life this morning because so many of us can trace our actions back to our beliefs and our beliefs back to our thoughts. It's time to say, God, I want to transform what's up here. I want to, I want to tra- I, I'm not going to believe these lies any longer. I can control these thoughts. I can change That's my prayer for you this morning. Here's my challenge as you leave. We put this verse up on the screen last week. It's Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would you do this for me this week? Would you write that down somewhere, maybe on a note card, maybe on a post-it note? Um, Maybe you write it on a piece of paper and take a picture and it becomes the screensaver on your phone. Maybe you stick it to the bathroom mirror, but wherever it is, The reason you're writing it down, because I want you to say this verse again and again this week until it's like ingrained in your memory. Until you don't need that note card. You don't need that post note because you've memorized this verse. Because as you allow this verse to go into your memory, to your subconscious, into your mind, that you refuse to conform to the pattern of this world, but you're choosing to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It'll be like, man, this is my 2018 resolution. 
I kept losing weight. I mean, that's good, but this is the, the foundation on which I want all resolutions to be built. Then I'm going to choose not to conform, but I'm going to choose to transform my mind. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We believe, Lord, that um, you rescued us. You rescued us from hell. Um, you sent Jesus, your son, to die in our place. And if that were all you did, you would still be worthy of all of our praise. But that wasn't, Lord. You, you, through what you did through Jesus, you sent a, um, a path by which we can see our lives transformed. Negative thinking can be changed to positive thinking. Poor attitudes can be changed to good attitudes. We can, we can start to demolish thought patterns in our life that have been around for ages. Thank you, God, that you are a God who transforms. And we ask you that you would help us transform our minds and our lives this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.